you're listening to a collective of Mission City Fellowship. Collectives are classes for learning and growing in grace together. In a collective, there actually is teaching and sharing from those in attendance. We purpose to only record the theological teaching aspect of the collective class. May this teaching bless you. May it deepen your understanding and knowledge of the Lord and His Word. And may it greatly impact the way that we live life with one another at Mission City Fellowship. Um, just a little bit about me. Uh, my, name is, my name is Kenny. Um, aside from everything that uh, Pastor Phil said about me, um, I, I grew up in a, in a Pentecostal church as well in uh, Charlotte, uh, North Carolina. Uh, and that was my home church. That was all I knew. Um, my uh, my great aunt was uh, the, the pastor of the church until she passed when I was about three years old. And from then, um, the, the current pastor has been the pastor since I was three, and he's, he's still preaching there. Um, growing up, it was very much a, a family church. Um, we all kind of grew up together. There wasn't a whole lot of new people that, that really kind of came in and um, grew committed to the church, even to this day, pretty much the same people that are there. Some of us that, are, that were children then have kind of moved up in, in certain areas and things like that. So I knew, I knew very little about membership and the importance of membership. Um, <clears throat> joined the military 20 years ago, and uh, from there I was, I was part of a chapel uh, for a little bit, which is a little bit different than the church. Um, from there, uh, I uh, was a part of a non-denominational uh, church, and that was my first experience with, with there's a distinction between um, membership. If you, if you were a member of that church, um, there were certain classes that you had to go to, like these classes were for members, there's certain things that we want you to know and be aware of. Um, and that was, that was pretty much it. We signed some forms to kind of make things official. We had like a little carrying card with our picture on it, things like that. Um, and uh, mostly that was about what does it look like to be a member of this church? Um, it wasn't until um, 2013, 14, uh, we were in Japan and um, we were really going through uh, quite a bit. Our, um, our interim pastor that we joined the church, there was an interim pastor. There had already been some things kind of going on there. Um, he uh, uh, he um, appointed me to kind of be a like junior deacon. There were two other deacons there. And very quickly after that, uh, there were some things that um, caused him to, to leave. And so there was a lot of turmoil, a lot of um, issues, a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, and a lot of um, not knowing what is what does this mean, you know? Um, and as a result of that, that kind of birthed um, what I'm gonna present to you all today. Uh, I was presented with Nine Marks, and um, basically uh, Nine Marks has a series of different things that that um, they they present. Of what is what does it mean to be a healthy church? What does it mean? Um, what are the signs? What are the symptoms that we can kind of look to? To, to ensure that our, our church is continuing to, to maintain healthy. And uh, membership was, was one of those. And so I'm definitely grateful for everybody's attendance and grateful for everybody sharing their stories. Um, that's a little bit about me. And um, you know, my, you know, my prayer is that um, you know, the spirit would continue to work in everybody's lives and mend all of our hearts together so that we um, can see God's intent from the Bible um, a little bit more clearly and unite us together 
um, in a healthy way. So um, <clears throat> I want to start off by um, giving a couple of uh, illustrations. So hopefully this works. Um, uh, so I, I, like, I, like I said before, I'm in, I'm in the military. And so I'm very familiar with um, preparing for war, preparing for, for combat. Right, um, and then one of the things in the military that we, we learned very quickly here in San Antonio is that um, you as an individual no longer exist. Um, you are a civilian, now you're part of something that's bigger than yourself. So we have to break down um, who you thought you were um, and give you, these, um, give you these new values, give you these new um, things so that collectively as a team, your, your one mind, your one body, your one heart, um, so that as we go into the battlefield, as we go into combat, um, there's synergy there, there's trust there, there's um, almost even a, a love there, um, so that um, those things that I miss as an individual, I know my team has my back, right? Um, one of the things, even outside of the combat, um, is even our uniforms, right? So one of the things that we do in our uniforms is we say, hey, like, I know I put my uniform together, but I still need somebody to, to, to look me up and down is what we call it, right? Make sure that my ribbons are where they need to be. Make sure I didn't miss anything, right? <clears throat> and so um, that's important to realize that we're not um, by ourselves and that we need other individuals. Um, the, Bible does, the Bible does call this life that we live as Christians um, as a war. And I think sometimes um, we kind of miss sight of that, right? Is that we are we are in combat. There's a there's a real enemy um, that is seeking, as the Bible says, to um, devour us, right? Um, and I believe that that's one of the ways that the the, the Lord has gifted us um, in the church to be able to fight the battle, right? Um, as we grow, even what we've talked about today, as we grow in more in, in love with each other um, through what Christ has done we begin to realize that it's not just about me, it's about um, what God has given me to be able to give to others so that they grow. Um, next, uh, next, I want to um, kind of point to uh, a, an article that I, that I read. There's an individual named uh, Mansoor. Uh, Mansoor is a, um, uh, was a uh, Muslim gentleman, and uh, he uh, decided one day he was gonna go to a church. Um, and his intent was to kind of map out the church and figure out exactly how he was going to later burn this church down. Um, <clears throat> and upon entering the church, he was greeted uh, with a young lady that was a, a member of the church. And her smile, her kindness, her gentleness towards him completely disarmed him. And uh, later, uh, he was presented with the pastor of the church who... Um, who eventually worked with him, discipled him, and, and now he's no longer Muslim, but he's a, he's a, he's a Christian, right? Um, and I point that out to just to, to show us the power of um, the church, and especially outside of kind of our Western, our Western world. I think a lot of times we think of membership, we think of the church within kind of an American context, maybe not for you all, um, but I think if, if we kind of broaden our understanding and broaden our um, our view of what God is doing and how God is using the church across the world um, that may kind of help re reorient us a little bit as far as that goes. If you can, you know, if I can think of, you know, um, Mansoor and a lot of those other uh, individuals that are in that are in countries that um, may not be as accepting as churches, um, how important the church is for those individuals. Um, even in Germany, 
uh, once you got baptized, we we uh, we brought in a lot of, of a lot of uh, Japanese students. Um, we had a, a big thing um, there. Not a whole lot. I think one percent of the population of Japan is, is Christian. When that individual becomes baptized, that was kind of the 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 climax of them being a Christian in the in Japanese eyes, and they were completely cut off from their family. So imagine being in this country. It's one percent of you. Um, you love Jesus. Um, where do you go? What do you do? Right? The church is a is a respite uh, for those individuals. The church is security. The church is a, is a new family uh, for the, for them. And then lastly, uh, I always like to kind of marry church membership with with marriage. Um, <clears throat> and so uh, quite a few of us here are are married. Um, and I just look at my own my own life. I uh, I'm not gonna tell you my marriage story. It's probably uh, not uh, not super important here, but. Um, I pursued my, my wife for, for a little bit. And, um, you know, when we, when we uh, started dating, um, there was an intention that that dating time frame would, would, be, would terminate at some point, right? So we, we dated with the intention of there being a greater, a greater commitment that um, one day I would, I would make a pledge to her that for better or worse, um, I would, for richer or poorer, right? Um, that I would be willing to lay down my life for her in, in, in much the same way that Christ um, does the church. And that's kind of the example that we have in, 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 in Scripture. You know, Scripture relates the church to um, this marriage, right? And we see a lot of, you know, marriage um, uh, vocabulary as we kind of go through Scripture and see what Jesus and what the Lord has revealed to us in, in Scripture about this institution that he has created called marriage. Um, so I, I say that kind of as, a, as an overview because I think what we what we think and how we think about the church, the church's mission, what the church is supposed to do, greatly impacts our view of membership, the need for membership. So uh, today, what I want to do is I, I want to talk about um, is church membership needed? We kind of already had some of those questions and things like that. Um, what is it, and then how do we actually live it out? So I'll try to go as quickly as I can. Um, you do have the, the notes there, so you can definitely uh, reference those later. And I'm always a resource uh, for anybody that will be willing to talk. I, I love it, um, and I, um, I'm very grateful for, for this information. <clears throat> so um, one thing that I, I, I want to say, visiting or attending a church is, is, is great. In much the same way that, you know, dating, right, is a necessary part of, of any relationship. Um, but God's intent and I think we see that in scripture, God's intent is for us to have a deeper commitment, um, for uh, us to be a family, for us to be a body, right? Those are very um, intimate, intimate language, right? Um, and so um, how, do, how does that commitment look? What is that commitment? Uh, how is it fleshed out? Um, what we think about the church will greatly affect um, our own commitment um, and our growth personally, as we as we seek to be discipled, as we seek to follow Christ, um, how we how we live and flesh out um, membership in the church um, will affect those things. In fact, um, Jonathan Jonathan Lehman, uh, one of the Christ, uh, one of the individuals that that uh, wrote the book, I think I may have it in the car, um, but he lays out some symptoms of um, wrong thinking from Christians 
regarding, uh, regarding membership. So I'll try to read um, as much of this as I can. Um, he says, some Christians think getting baptized apart from um, joining is membership. Um, uh, Christians take the Lord's Supper without joining. I know uh, someone mentioned the Lord's Supper earlier. Uh, Christians view the Lord's Supper as their own private mystical experience for Christians and not as an activity for church members who are incorporated into body life together. Christians don't integrate their Monday to Saturday lives with the lives of other saints. Christians assume they can make a perpetual habit of being absent from the church, gathering a few Sundays a month or more. Christians make major, and these are symptoms of Christians who have wrong thinking about the church, just to clarify. <clears throat> Christians make major life decisions, moving, accepting a promotion, choosing a spouse, etc., without considering the effects of those decisions on the family of relationships in the church or without consulting the wisdom of churches, uh, of the church's pastors and other men members. Christians buy homes or rent apartments um, with scant regard for how factors such as distance, cost, um, or other things will affect their abilities to be able to serve their church. And then lastly, Christians don't realize that they are partly responsible for both the spiritual welfare and the physical livelihood of the other members of the church, even members they have not met. When one mourns, one mourns by himself. When one rejoices, one rejoices by himself. And so as we go through, um, I know as I read through some of those, those some of those things kind of hit me as well. It's like, man, how involved am I uh, with my brothers and sisters? Am I exposing my life to them as much as I should? Um, and how vital is the, the church and the members of the church um, to my day-to-day, -day, uh, Monday through Friday? So just some things to think about as we... Um, as we move forward. <clears throat> so how do we exercise Christian love uh, for the family of God? I would argue that it's found in the context of a local, of a local church. Uh, in fact, the church has been given authority and responsibility to maintain the integrity of the gospel through lovingly making disciples, affirming genuine faith, correcting disparities in behavior and confession to the glory of God. We are the keepers of each other's faith. And I just want to kind of unpack that a little bit, right? Um, the, the part that really um, illuminated the church for me, and I don't think I really understood that, is that um, the intent of the church is to maintain the integrity of the gospel, right? So as a gospel witness, the church or the world sees is example of who God is and the love for God through the local, through the local church. And so everything that the church does um, seeks to promote the gospel um, and to make sure that the integrity of the gospel witness is, is maintained. So when people look at the church, they're doing their best um, as guided by the Holy Spirit to make sure that that's, that stays pure. Um, so many times in our in our society, you know, we can look to certain churches. We can see, and Pastor Pastor Phil already kind of mentioned them, where um, the 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 gospel is not at the forefront, and and that's a witness to the world. A lot of people can look at some of these churches and say, okay, well, if that's the church, if that's God, then I'm good. I don't really need that, right? Um, 
I'm kind of doing my own thing already. What need do I have for God? Um, well, when scripture says, you know, they being the world will see the love that you have for one another um, and they will know that you are mine, right? That's the goal. That's the health uh, of a church that we're seeking, um, that we're looking for. And it has everything to do with how do we proclaim the gospel? How do we proclaim God's truth and God's work to the world? Um, and so <clears throat> with that, we kind of get into membership. So we look at membership, uh, there's about 70 instances of the word church uh, found scattered uh, throughout scripture. Um, a lot of Paul's um, uh, letters are specifically written to churches, um, Ephesians, um, you know, Romans, uh, and, and all the rest, where he's explicit, explicitly addressing churches that have been assembled. Um, and he's also addressing issues that are going on in the church and pastoring them on, you know, how best to live together. How do you work together? How do you proclaim Christ? How do you maintain the gospel um, purity in your specific context? Right. Um, so we see um, this emphasis on churches being assembled. In fact, the word church, uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, a church is not a church until it is assembled. Right. And so the, the, the even the, the word church in the Bible, ecclesia, means gathering. So how do we gather even in the word um, that we find in scripture is, is talking about the gathering. It's not talking about a building. It's not talking about all these things. But, you know, the church is the, the called out members um, that, that Christ has called to himself. And we have united around this beautiful message of the gospel that Christ died um, for all of us. Um, and we rally around that fact, despite even here, despite our various differences and backgrounds and all of those things, we, we get to come together and proclaim that this Christ who died on the cross for our sins has united us through um, his love. Right. Um, <clears throat> so apart from membership and hopefully everybody has Bibles, um, I will ask you to read because I'm sure y'all want to hear me read uh, this whole time. But um, apart from membership, the following things would be difficult. If someone could go to, um, if someone could go to uh, Romans 16, 1 through 16. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, anybody have it? 1 through 16. Yes. Yeah. I apologize for whoever's going to read this. Okay. Yes, sir. All right. No wonder you
she may have to use abuse. For she herself is also a helper to many, and, and to myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in, in Christ Jesus, who for my life risked their own neck, to whom not only do I give thanks, but I also but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Also greet the church that is in my in their house. <coughs> greet. All right. Anybody want to take that name? Got it. Okay. Uh, I don't know his name, but he is beloved. <laughs> <laughs> Who is my my first convert to Christ from Asia? Greet Mary. Who has worked hard for you? Greet Andronicus and Junius, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners, who are outstanding among the apostles, who are who also were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus. Thank you, my beloved in in the Lord and Urbanus, my fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved. If anybody wants to take on these things. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, take a, I'll take over. I'm sorry, brother. I'm sorry. Um, greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Estabulus. Greet my kinsman Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Nar Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphenia and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis, Persis who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegian, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nurus, and his sister, and uh, Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. I apologize uh, for all of that. Um, but the point being here is that um, as Paul is writing to the Romans here, um, he's not writing to a unknown group of individuals, as we uh, so painfully uh, found out, right? In, in the scripture, there's an entire list of individuals that are uh, a part of this local uh, body that Paul knows very well and even has been served by them, right? He even mentions that uh, some of them came to faith before him, how he, how he loves them, how he prays for them. Um, and even how some of them has attended to um, not only his needs, but the needs of the apostles as well, right? So in this, um, it would be hard, and the point here is it would be hard to be able to, if church membership did not exist, it would be hard to be able to kind of point out um, all of these different things from individuals. If we were just kind of this, um, you know, um, traveling, um, kind of, you know, feel good, you know, go wherever, then there wouldn't be this level of commitment, right? Um, there wouldn't be this level of um, uh, being able to depend on the individuals at this local local body. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. <clears throat> um, 
And the rest of them are should be a lot easier. So uh, got the first one out of the way uh, early. Um, uh, Acts 6, 1 through 3. <laughs> Acts 6, verse 1 through 3. Sure. Yes, sir. Acts 6, 1 through 3. Mm-hmm. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. Okay. All right. Um, so here we see a couple of things. We, we see that there's an actual, um, there's an issue that is being addressed, right? Um, where some individuals are, are being kind of left out of um, the church, church activities. So we see that, you know, they're, they're one, they're meeting together, um, and then there's an issue that, that needs to be addressed. And, and the church members, the brothers that are there that are committed to uh, the success and, again, the going forth of the gospel are then called on to choose from members of themselves to aid in the assistance of these other members, right? So um, you obviously you have pastors um, and elders, but you also have these individuals um, from the church, those that have been committed. And there's, you know, we'll see in, in Titus that there's um, categories and things that we get to see in those members that the church can say, hey, we know these individuals, we know their lives, they meet this criteria because we've, we've been on, in life with them. Um, and those are individuals that we, as a, as a church, we feel um, God moving these individuals towards um, these particular roles. Right. Again, hard to do if we didn't have um, succinct, some succinct type of type of uh, membership there. First <clears throat> uh, Corinthians five, one through twelve, and I'll, I'll go ahead and read this. This one. First Corinthians five, one through twelve. <clears throat> it is actually this is Paul speaking to the to the uh, church in Corinth. It is actually reported that there is uh, sexual immorality among you in a kind that is not tolerated even among the pagans. For man has his father's wife, and you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. For though absent in the body, I am present in spirit. And if, as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with the sexually immoral people, not to 
not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers and idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother, for if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or, or is an idolater, rivaler, drunkard, or swindler, not even eat with such a one. For I, <clears throat> for what have I to do with judging outsiders? It is not those inside the church whom you are to judge. God judges those outsiders. Purge the evil person from among you. So here, uh, this, is, this is Paul again addressing to the church some serious matters that are going on in this particular, um, in this particular assembly. Um, of which he even calls it, right? When you gather together, when you assemble together, um, we need to address this. Again, the gospel is at stake here, right? So when we have a brother that is proclaiming the name of Christ, um, but yet moving in a way that is contrary to that, that brings um, disrepute on the Lord. It, it brings disrepute on the gospel. So um, the church has been authorized by Christ and given the authority to be able to say, hey, we're going to judge the members that are that are in this particular congregation. And this is one way that he calls to do it. Um, one thing that I do want to point out is that, um, where is it? Uh, verse five, he says, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. And I think that is so good because um, here the, the goal of um, one, the goal of, of church discipline is to maintain the integrity of the gospel, um, but it's also for that individual, right? Um, he says the destruction of his flesh, which I, which I interpret as this worldly flesh that we all have to battle with, right? So there's some good that Paul um, directs in church discipline. Like, hey, if we want to show this individual, um, you know, that uh, we take seriously the word of God, then for a time, we need to remove that individual. And then he says, so that, uh, so his flesh is destroyed and that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. And I think that was extremely encouraging for me when I read it because I think so many times there's this idea of, hey, we're just gonna get rid of the individual, right? Um, and again, a healthy biblical view of even church discipline is one of love um, versus one of just kind of getting rid of, you know, difficult or sinful individuals, right? Um, even going back to, you know, the Garden of Eden, right? Like, you know, there was sin in the garden. Um, you know, God covers up their sin. He removes them from the Garden of Eden with a plan in place for restoration. And so as we, as we move forward, even as we difficult, like we all talked about sin, like we all experienced sin at some point in, in our churches, right? Um, and so the, the, the healthy church and the goal, I think, of the healthy church is to say, how do we do this in a spirit of love with an intent to restore our brothers, restore our sisters back to Christ? All right. And that's, that's really good. So, yeah. um, cool. Hebrews uh, chapter 13, verse 7 and 17. Anybody want to read? Yeah, I'll read. 
Okay. Uh, Sorry, bro. Um, seven and seventeen. Okay. Thank you. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch uh, over your souls. As those who will have to give an account, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Cool. Thank you. So here we see this this dichotomy of members and leaders, right? And so there's there's um, things that. Um, the author of Hebrews says that we should be doing one. You know, God has given us pastors who we submit to, um, and there are things that we should be doing for them, right? We um, we remember them um, because they are speaking the word of God into us. Um, we consider the outcome of their way of the, their life, right? So, um, in a way, we're we're continuing to hold our, our pastors accountable to a certain degree as a, as our fellow um, co-laborers. Um, and then we imitate their faith. So we have to, again, we have to see their faith in order to imitate it, right? Um, we have to kind of know who they are. We kind of have to know who they're, you know, know their heart. And there's a there's a commitment and a, and a level of um, togetherness that is uh, ascribed to that particular scripture. Um, obey your leaders, right? So we submit to them, right? So that's a big part of leadership for, you know, when my, my wife and I joined, it's like, you know, and... Um, um, Brother, um, when when you say, "Hey, we want to, we want to, um, we want to take it slow, we want to um, want to transition well into um, a possible membership," I think of verses like this because it's it's especially as you know, for me as a husband, um, we're called to obey the leaders that we've been given. So you know, as the leader of my home, I want to make sure that the leaders that um, I am submitting myself and my family to our, our, our good ones, right? And sometimes that doesn't that doesn't happen in you know uh, you know a, a Sunday morning service, right? Um, and so <clears throat> um, so obey your leaders, submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. And so on the flip side, as our pastors, um, they are responsible to God. They will answer to God for the way that they have. Um, shepherded us, right? That's a that's a weighty thing. Um, and if you're not uh, um, if you're not a member, right? Um, then how do you know from a pastor's perspective? How do you know who you're who you're accounting to, right? Who are you responsible for, right? Um, I know we, we talked a lot about just the universality of the church, um, but we have local we have a local body, we have a local shepherd, we have a, a, a pastor here. Um, and membership is one way that I think that we serve them as well by saying, hey, like we are submitting to you and God now is then responsible, um, is holding you accountable for our our livelihood spiritually. <clears throat> um, cool. There's an article there by uh, Matt, uh, Matt Chandler where he kind of talks about um, talks about this a little bit further if you want to um, if you want to look into that. So that brings us to what actually is um, what actually is membership, and we kind of talked about it today. The, the church um, membership is not um, like a country club, right? Like it's not, hey, I'm gonna go join the you know latest you know LA Fitness. I'm gonna pay my dues, and it's gonna be a, a group of people that we share you know working out in common. We share you know um, 
you know, theological things in common, right? Um, uh, membership is more than, like I said, paying your tithes and loyalty to even a building. Um, and it's not just, you know, checking a box off on a slip saying, hey, I'm, I'm here. Uh, we mentioned just kind of put my name on the roll type of situation. Um, it's, a lot, it's a lot deeper than that. Um, uh, First Timothy 3, and now I will read that one because I did not put the uh, scriptures on there, so I apologize. First Timothy 3. Okay, um, <clears throat> the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, hold on, uh, people, okay, okay, um, if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace into fall into into disgrace into a snare of the devil deacons likewise must be dignified not double-tongued not addicted to much wine not greedy for dishonest gain they must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested first then let them be uh, let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless their wives likewise must be dignified not slanderers or sober but sober-minded faithful in all things that deacons each be the husband of one wife managing their children and their households well for those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also for conf uh, great confidence in the faith that is that is in christ jesus and i'll stop there um <clears throat> so two things here one we have these two offices of, of overseers or, or pastors or elders and then deacons and kind of as I alluded to before um, he's obviously he's obviously writing in this in this um, in this this chapter to to elders but he's really writing to churches right so he's telling churches um, these are the things that you need to be looking for um, as it relates to these these type of positions right um, and so just kind of from my perspective, I, I told you we, we kind of went through a tumultuous time in Japan, where you know we didn't have a pa we didn't have a pastor, um, and so uh, that was that was a difficult that was a difficult time frame. Had it not been for the scripture, um, we would have come up with all kinds of things to 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 choose someone that we thought was was great, right? Um, I remember and practical things. I remember one individual, you know, when we kind of presented. Um, the, the individual who would later become the pastor said, okay, well, I was a part of a uh, church. I was a part of the previous church, you know, search group. What, you know, none of the criteria that we had, um, this individual matches. So like, what was the criteria that you used 
for choosing this individual. And I took her I took her here, right? Like I'm not sure what you know, and there obviously there probably were some practical things, but you know, first and foremost, you know, you know, I tried to tell her as humbly as I could, like the word of God must be the metric and the measure by which we judge um, all things to include, you know, what gets done in the church, right? Because he is the ultimate, he's the ultimate authority on these things. And so even in this scripture, God is telling us, um, and he's speaking to us as churches, like, these are things that you look for. And as you look through these, there's no way that you can point out these things, even as, even as deacons are tested. Um, and, you know, there's a myriad of things as far as kind of what that will look like. But there has to be a level of commitment. There has to be a life-on-life -life situation to be able to do the things that Scripture is calling us to do in in in, um, in this verse. So, <clears throat> um, Matthew eighteen uh, fifteen through twenty. I can read that. Awesome. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault, between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Um, thank you. So this... Chat, uh, verse 20 was always misquoted when I was in when I was in church it was like hey we got two people praying and it's the, the spirit's about to be here right um, <laughs> and you know in full context this is really talking about kind of what we alluded to earlier about um, church discipline so if you see um, someone that sins against you right um, so if someone sins against me the biblical prescription is for me to go to that individual. Again, this idea of um, restoration. So in love, trying to restore that individual back, right? If they refuse to listen, and again, these, we're talking about brothers. This is the context of membership. This is just some random individual. This is members we have committed to one another. I've said, hey, I need you to, I need you to guard my life um, spiritually. I need you to check my ribbons. I need you to um, do these things to make sure that I am not defaming the, the gospel of, of, of Christ that we proclaim. If, I, if that individual refuses to listen, it says, um, take another, take another, right? Um, so the, the charge is established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. And then if they don't listen to that, then it says, tell it to the pastors. It doesn't say tell it to the pastors. It says, tell it to the church, right? So there's a and I've always read it as take it to the pastors. Um, but the church, the body of the church is um, the institution that God has um, called to, be, to do these things. 
And so oftentimes in, in my church history, it was the pastors do everything. And there was very little responsibility on me. Um, but when I started to kind of understand what church membership was, um, it elevated my commitment to my brothers and sisters. Um, it, it increased my love and my care for them, right? When, when a brother or sister may be missing from church, now it's, it's not just, oh, they, they, were, you know, they were missing or whatever. I, I want to find out how they're doing. I want to find out what's going on. And that's my responsibility, not just Pastor Phil or Pastor Rob. Right? Um, yeah. Um, and if they don't listen again, there's this continual trying to restore this individual, trying to restore, trying to restore, trying to restore. Um, and if they continue to refuse to listen, um, then it says that you, you exercise church discipline. So you treat them as if they are no longer a member of the church. You treat them as a Gentile, right? Um, and there's, there's books and stuff on, on like what that actually looks like. I, I won't get into that. But the, the crux of it is that, you know, in order, to, um, in order to exercise church discipline, that member has to be a, a that individual needs to be a member in order for us to, to um, be able to exercise that. Um, okay. For sure. When I wasn't there, and that was also special because that was like, even if I'm a part of the church and I was going to church and I was a member, I wasn't a member yet. I did matter anyway. Absolutely. And that's what I love that you guys still saw us, like as fellow Christians, brother and sister, that you still reached out to us. Absolutely. Why are you like not just because I wasn't a member, right? Because I didn't know anything about it, but that's what I love that you guys reached out that the Lord was so kind and had you there in place to say, hey, how are you doing? And, and I didn't feel alone mm. in things that yeah. I was going through. And that's nice, too, that it's a church, that it's everybody. Yeah. And I, I think that's important, too. And I, I think there's a spectrum, even kind of what Clint was talking about before, where, um, like, you're in relationship, right? Um, and so there isn't this, like, black or white, um, like, love is love. Like, you're a Christian brother. Uh, you're a Christian, you know, sister um, that has kind of come together, right? So as we continue to talk about membership, there's some things that are that are absolutely clear, and there are reasons why the the health of a church um, these are these are um, tools to ensure that the church is healthy, um, and not just hey, there isn't this kind of dichotomy. It's like oh, I don't see your name on the roll. Like okay, keep it keep it pushing. Right. I don't I don't really care for you, but like this is a body of Christ. We love each other. Um, so, yeah. Thank you. Great point. Um, OK. Romans 12, 5. Romans 12, 5. Okay, I don't see anybody out here. <clears throat> so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them if prophecy in proportion to your faith, if service in serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy 
with cheerfulness. I read way more than I was supposed to. My apologies. Um, <laughs> uh, I was like, where was I? But uh, the the point here is that you know um, membership is a is a is a body of Christ, right? We talked about the universality of of the body, um, but that's only executed well and most healthily in the context of a local church, where um, we can actually exercise these gifts in a very faithful way, right? And I can. I can even see gifts in you. I can see gifts in, you know, um, some of our sisters mentioned kind of feeling stifled, right? Um, like, you know, by God's grace, the healthy church is able to kind of see like, hey, my sister, my brother has these particular gifts that obviously God has given them. And what's the most biblical, faithful way for them to be able to use these, these gifts that God has given them? Like that happens in, in the context of a church as we're meeting and greeting and there's all of these things, there's, you know, prophecy and leading and teaching and all of these things that we see um, that we are able to even pull out from, from each other so that, again, the integrity of the gospel, um, that God's fame can, can go forth. And up, right. <clears throat> um, oh, same chapter, uh, verse 4 through 7. Anybody want to read? Uh, I'm sorry. Hold on. Where am I? I'm sorry. Disregard. Uh, First Corinthians. Going to First Corinthians chapter twelve, verse twelve and twenty. I got ahead of myself. Twelve through twenty. Yes, sir. Um, so there again, you know, God, you know, gives us this body analogy, right? That's something that obviously we can tell, right? Like we can't have a, a body that's just an eye or a hand or all of these different things, right? That's, that's, that's not functioning properly, right? Um, and so here he equates the church and, and, and Paul specifically here is addressing an issue within the church, right? There's, there's this um, disunity. There's, you know, uh, putting gifts above the other right um there's pride and, and things like that that he's addressing and he's saying like like again as we consider the importance and the centrality of the gospel god has equipped each of you in this local body for a reason right um, and it may not be x it may not be y but god has given you z 
um, to use in tandem with these other individuals for the glory of God, not for our own glory, not for our own um, edification even, but for the edification of the body. And so what God has bestowed upon you, those gifts that he's given to you, he's given to you for the use of these, of these individuals. <clears throat> he, even, he even talks about baptism there as well, which I think is, is important, right? And how, um, you know, I, I, it just makes me think about how um, we talk about baptism and the Lord's Supper and how these are, these are things that the church is given a responsibility to um, as, as confirmations of faith, right? Um, as, again, proclaiming that, you know, God is true, right? We don't just, you know, baptize anybody that says they want to be baptized, right? Or we shouldn't. I know I, that happened to me. I was a child. I was like, hey, I, everybody else baptizing. I want to get baptized too, right? I didn't have a, a understanding of what that even meant, right? Um, and so the church is given those, um, those tools as, again, a way to proclaim the truth of God, the gospel of God, so that we don't take these things lightly. Um, and now we're going back up to verse 4, uh, 4 through 7. And I'll, I'll read that one. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. It's kind of what I was talking about before, right? Like, you know, God has called us together um, for the collective uh, benefit of each other so that we can, um, so we can, and we'll talk about that later, but we can do some of those one another's of scriptures so that we can cheer one another on, that we can give honor to each other, that we can love one another, um, all of those things. Um, and then my last piece here is members have a responsibility for the spiritual well-being of each member. Um, and I put that on there again because that really resonated with me. It is it's my responsibility. It is your responsibility to me um, as, a, as, a, as a member um, to make sure that I'm, I'm doing, I'm professing and living according to my profession, right? Uh, Ephesians 5. Everybody doing all right? Yeah. Okay. Ephesians 5, um, verse 2, whoever wants to take that. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So again, um, here just talking about, you know, um, uh, Paul is talking to the, the um, church of Ephesus and telling them uh, above that, he says, be imitators of God as beloved children. And doing so, we walk in love. Um, and that covers everything. We go to first, you know, Corinthians 13, you don't have to turn there, but when we talk about the love verse, right? Like, you know, that's a picture of what God is, is um wanting us to look like even even in here as he talks about walking in love how do we do that forgiving easily as pastor uh, phil talked about before when we're sinned against as brothers and sisters like how do we respond do we do we kind of run away um and just say hey i'm i'm done with that individual 
and love them from a distance, as you know, my old church would say? Um, um, or do we continue to pursue that individual and, and um, seek their best, you know, their best good and what God would have for them? Um, and that brings us to the last point. So how do we live this out? How do we, what is the Bible's prescription for how we are to be healthy church members? Um, not a whole lot of scripture here. It's, it's, it's kind of a, um, a, a summary of a lot of different parts of scripture. Um, I do have a couple. So if someone could preemptively go to uh, Romans 14 and 19, and then John 13, um, 34 through 35, um, yeah. So basically our responsibility is, as church members and to continue to maintain the health of a, of a good church, um, um, is to one another as our brothers and sisters and also, um, pastors and leaders. And so, uh, the one another, uh, the first one, be baptized and regularly attend church. Right. Um, again, kind of alluding to what I was talking about before, how baptism is a, is a picture of proclaiming the, the glory of God. Um, and then obviously attending, attending regularly. Like you can't do the things that we just talked about if you're not, if you're not present, if you're not there. Um, two, hear God's word and obey it. So as we continue to grow in our discipleship, we hear God's word and by his, by his spirit and his power, um, we uh, pursue holiness. Third, regularly fellowship together for mutual edification, um, meeting together, eating um, and not just eating, but, you know, I think it's important to, you know, when we say fellowship, that word koinonia um, is, it's, it's, it's Christocentric, right? So I can eat with anybody, right? I can have lunch with anybody. Um, but what is our conversation even during that? You know, even as we fellowship after church, like, are we talking about the word? Are we, you know, explaining to one another, like how God has affected our hearts through the word? Um, or are we talking about, you know, the Cowboys, you know what I'm saying? What's going on with the Cowboys this month? You know? <laughs> um, you know, how is our conversation, right? And how are we intentionally working into our lives um, that God is supreme in our lives and how we can continue to spur one another and edify one another um, in that way? Um, four, pursue peace and unity. Um, Romans 14... 19. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual uplift. I'm sorry, I didn't even go there. Um, but that's the pursuit of peace and unity, essentially, right? So he's talking to the um, to the Church of Romans and telling them, hey, this is one of those things that we need to continue to do for one another, right? Because we're 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 going to, you know, um, rub each other the wrong way, right? We're going to sin against one another because we're sinful. Um, and so the call is, despite those things, you know, pursue peace and unity through the grace of God. Um, yes, sir. Um, I really appreciate you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. James 1, verses 22, and says it in the 
positive and then turns it over in verse 23 and then negative. We're not going to be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if anybody's got other verses, uh, help me. Let me let me finish up this. I just got a little bit, and then we can we can. Uh, I think we should have time. We got like another thirty minutes after this. So I do want to share. Okay, oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. All right, let me wrap this up. Thank you, brother. But yeah, I definitely appreciate that because I know we got scriptures all day. Um, uh, okay, verse five. Sympathize with one another. Um, verse or not verse six, but number six. Watch over one another and hold one another accountable. Seven, bear with one another. Eight, pray for one another. Nine, work together for the gospel. Ten, live lives in light of each other. Our lives should be examples for each other. Eleven, avoid anything that smolders the flames of love. Um, John 13, 31, 35. Who has that? Okay. Thank you. Again, you know, we, um, our witness to the world is our, is our love uh, for each other and our love for, for God. Um, and then the second category is our pastors and leaders. Um, so we are called to respect and honor our pastors as servants of God, um, and they are a gift from God. We are called to imitate their lives and faith. We are called to pray for them and assist them in every way possible. And then lastly, uh, we kind of already alluded to it before, um, all of this is under, um, under guarded by uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, love. How do we love each other? And he says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So yeah, um, thank y'all uh, for your time. And, and you know, again, my, my prayer is that um, wherever you fall uh, with kind of what you talked about today, that this uh, would be a catalyst in continuing to pursue what God um, has called us to um undergirded by the scripture even if it's not explicitly um, stated here so thank you